This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everyone, it's Jan here. You are listening to the Langpreneur podcast. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, actually. I'm almost getting used to this whole quarantine situation. Um, This week, I actually started helping other Langpreneurs one-on-one with their online language business. These were the guys who attended our online event, Langpreneur Business Breakthrough. was actually supposed to be a live event, but we had to do it online because of this whole crisis situation and uh, I have to say it has been really fun to uh, be working with you guys one-on-one see what you guys are up to Um, also you know really get an understanding of what you guys want from from the podcast but also you know just from this whole langpreneur thing Um, I've also had conversation with some of you on Instagram and um, quite a few people have actually asked me to do an episode on email marketing and copywriting so that you guys can learn how to sell your language courses over email you know so that's exactly what we're going to do in today's episode um so i invited anthony metivier from actually he does two things um he runs branding you academy where he helps people to build an online business that generates seven figures per year and he's also the founder, the founder of Ma- sorry, Magnetic Memory Method. And he has actually worked with um, many Langpreneurs in the past. So Anthony is really an expert when it comes to copywriting. And that's why I invited him. What's actually a recommendation? Only recommended me to get Anthony on the show and interview him um, about copywriting. And I'm happy that I did because he is... Um, He's no joke when it comes to copywriting and email art marketing. So in this interview, you're going to learn the right, sorry, the right mindset that you need to have when it comes to copywriting, why email marketing is still working in 2020 and beyond, what the biggest asset is in your online business, what it really is how to write email sequences that sell and how to generate lots of revenue with a small mailing list. So you're going to learn all this in this interview, actually much more than this. But before we start with the interview, let's first go and thank our sponsor. So you want to create your own successful online language business, or maybe you already have one, but you're missing the traction. Well, then I highly recommend you to join our brand new course, Langpreneur Business Breakthrough. Now, in this course that I created with Oli, you're going to learn a lot about growing an online language business. Things you're going to learn, for example, the perfect business model for you, the three questions to answer to avoid failure with a new business, why your existing products are at selling and what to do about it. Also think about things like email strategies that will uh, help you generate sales within seven days, how to easily sell your products or services without being salesy, all that kind of stuff. Now, the feedback that we have received from the students so far has been amazing. And, you know, I actually don't think that I've ever seen such positive feedback after any course launch, really. So, 
If you want to learn more about this course and about what other students say about our course, go to langpreneur.com forward slash LBB. And if you sign up now, you will get a 30-minute one-on-one consulting call with me entirely for free so that we can identify how we can take your business to the next level and start implementing straight away. So again, go to langpreneur.com slash LBB, langpreneur.com slash LBB. Okay, guys, welcome back. Now let's get started with this interview. Here is my interview with Anthony. Hey, Anthony, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what it is that you do and how that relates to language learning and online business. Well, I write a lot of copy, which is apropos our topic today. And I do that because it's the number one way to help people understand what value comes from investing in the trainings that I've created. And those trainings have different outcomes. And so the messaging needs to really create a lot of clarity around how to get those outcomes, what needs to be done in order to get them and why you should do it so that you have, you know, an incredible experience that ideally makes you want to come back for more. So I sort of specialize in clarifying that when it comes to things like memory, which I think of memory as a kind of language, and then the application of the memory techniques to things like learning a language, which I myself have done. And many people who do language learning use mnemonics at some level. There's all kinds of different ways that they use memory techniques and we can you know, jam on that. But at the end of the day, it's helping people understand and making it a nice, adventurous, welcoming experience that makes them just say, hell yeah, I want this. And then after that, have them have a great experience. So they say, hell yeah, I want some more. That's that's what I do in the memory realm. And language learning is a huge part of it. Okay, well, we're going to dive into copywriting a bit later in this interview. For now, Anthony, tell us a little bit more about your background. Uh, what is it exactly what you do? What's the name of your business? Um, you help people getting better memory? So I started magneticmemorymethod.com many years ago, eight years ago at least. And that was after my first book, which was How to Learn and Memorize German Vocabulary. Actually, I should say that's more like my 15th book, but uh, it was the first book that ever you know, made any impact and made it possible to actually drop everything and go on tour with a band. And so that's the sort of short introduction, how I got started. And I needed to write all that copy for that book myself because there was no way I was gonna hire anybody. Um, and I even made the cover of the book myself. So, uh, I just did everything myself. Basically it's like a DIY sort of operation. Even to this day, I do a lot of things, uh, on my own. Although now I have six people on the team. <laughs> I still sort of, uh, have my hands in, in a lot of things and copy is a huge thing. But I think, uh, the number one thing to, to really express is that that first book had all the hallmarks of itself being a kind of copywriting. And I, I knew how to do that from the beginning. So uh, that's one point that I would, I think we should pick up again, is that whatever product you create is also copywriting. And it should be in order to really make your business thrive and grow. Uh-huh. Just for the people who are new to, to this, what is copywriting? Well, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, the, tr- the traditional standard answer is that it's salesmanship in print. 
I would say that it's more about creating a lifelong relationship between you and your prospect so that it's no longer just a financial transaction, but it's something where you have deeply gone into their heart and their soul and their mind and their behaviors to the point that they are transformed. So it's not really about selling, it's about transformation in my view. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit how that works. Like, how does it work on your website, for example, when people land on your website, what action do you want them to take and how do you encourage them to take the action through copywriting? So on magneticmarymethod.com, one of the core things we want to do is identify that there is a problem and that there's a solution and that there's a reason why that this particular human being holds the keys to a solution. So we're going to try different things and I've changed things many times over the years in order to create conversion that is better than before, etc. But the number one thing is to isolate and identify a problem and then create an aspiration towards a solution and you know use some story elements and so forth in order to see what we can do to at that first step convert from site visitor to subscriber to an email list okay could you could you maybe give a few examples of how that works in the language learning niche so for example let's say that i have a website where i help uh, where i help people to learn german where i help expats to learn german then what are some of the few what are some of the things that i should that I should write on my on my well, on my homepage. You want to think deeply about why that person that's visiting your site still needs your help, right? Like, what is the, the reason why they're even looking for help in the first place? And so that problem might have many different facets. It could be they haven't found the right teacher yet. It could be that they're not taking the right actions in the right orders. Whatever it is, you want to figure out what that problem is, and then you want to press on it a little bit with some sort of emotion. And it could be that they're ashamed. It could be that you know they've got family pressures on them. It could be they got a job coming, etc. And so, what is that problem? What are they aspiring to? And how can you get that in a clear, crisp statement? that then makes them go, wow, I need what you've got so that they subscribe and give you their email address immediately and uh, join for more information. Yeah, and that brings us to the next topic because why do we want their email address? I mean, it's 2020. It's, it's, there are lots of ways to communicate with our audiences. We have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have TikTok, we have all these social media platforms. Why do we still want their email address? Is email marketing still working in 2020? Well, let's just take a step back and not really focus on email, but rather the fact that you have to reach people. And you have to reach people in the manner that they're most likely to actually pay attention. So is it really about email or is it about the place that they're most likely to pay attention to you at the moment when you can identify the problem and give them an aspiration and some stories that will help them know that you're the one to solve the problem. So why email is that that is the place where that happens. Every day people check their email. They have to for work and that is a time-based thing. It's not going to necessarily be forever, but it is for now. But you want to think, you know, that 100 years ago they were going to mailboxes and mailboxes have that 
they're analogous with email accounts in terms of that's the place where you legally have to go. That's the place where you have to go for work. It's the place you have to go for bills, all that sort of stuff. So as long as that is maintained, that's the place to be. Do you have to go to TikTok to uh, see what's up with your government obligations or your work obligations? Not yet. Maybe in the future. But no, in fact, you have to go usually, I don't know, I, mean, I don't have a TikTok account, but usually you have to go to your mailbox to confirm that you want an account on TikTok or Instagram or whatever. So that's that's the reason why email. Um, but I wouldn't isolate it to email. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, for now, let's say that, you know, we just focus on getting their email address. Um, how do you do that? How do you convince people to to give you their email address? Well, it's back to the same thing. So you've got a good big reason why that you're the person who has a solution to a problem. And the more you can make that clear, the more it's just like a no-brainer. The other thing too is you, you can condition it sort of not just any email, but your best email or, you know, where are you going to actually check to receive it? So, you know, you, you, you'll sometimes see on email lead capture forms, your best email or a sentence like, tell me where to send it, you know, uh, that sort of language can help push it so that they're not just doing it like their spam at hotmail.com account that they've set up so that they just have it all going to, you know, some junk folder, junk email that they only check once in a while. But, you know, make it clear, this is a five-day course that will be delivered Tell me where's the best place to send it so you get every single part of the program. And that can help you get to the real email account. Because again, it's not about the email account. It's about the place they actually check. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were basically talking about a lead magnet here, right? So can you maybe give a few examples of what a good lead magnet could be? And uh, you know what, what, what the function is of having a lead magnet? So a lead magnet is essentially a direct offer. And what a direct offer means is you give me this, I'll give you that, right? So if you if you think about what it is that you could give someone for free, that would be the most high value thing that is a no-brainer to say yes to, then you create that and then you give it for free. But you're not giving it for free, you're giving it in exchange for the email address and ideally a good email address. Now, the different kinds of things that you can create are a free course. You can create just a simple PDF checklist and you've got to decide for yourself, what is your tolerance? I mean, Evan Pagan in the marketing world used to have this thing that was quite popular called push the free line. And the more you can give away free, the more you're going to get this what, I can get this for free kind of response from the market. And then the more you're going to build your list but you know, you, you don't want it to be, the, the more you're giving away free, the more you actually need it to be valuable, right? Because you don't want people to get bored and find your free thing tedious. Uh, but also you don't want to overthink it necessarily and you don't necessarily want to develop, depending where you're at with your business, this massive amount of stuff that you know people couldn't ever possibly consume. So it can be something as simple as a checklist. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe give us a few examples of lead magnets that you have used that you have given away in the past, and uh, you know, tell us which one works, <laughs> worked, which one didn't, and uh, maybe tell us why you think they didn't work. Yeah, the the biggest thing that I give away that has worked the best historically is a free course that comes with worksheets, and that 
thing is so valuable that if people would just complete it, they would have memory skills to serve them for the rest of their lives. And I was very influenced by that idea of pushing the free line. It's been so successful, I haven't had to update it since 2014, right? And I just, I don't touch it. It's not broken, don't fix it. it and it is so valuable. And people tell me day in and day out how much they've gotten just out of that. I even resend it to my list and say, hey, you know, you got this free course. Did you ever complete it? Maybe you want to go through it again. Here's the links. And people send back waves of emails thanking me for reminding them and they don't even remember that they got it in the first place, et cetera, et cetera, right? Uh, because that's the way that will be. That's been the most successful thing. And one of the reasons why it's so successful is because even if I never get a dime out of anybody who's taken it, they will have improved their memory so long as they actually complete the course. Less successful things have been like little stunts, you know, back when... Uh, I tried something, it's funny, the, the things we're going through now, but it's not funny, but some years ago, five years ago or so, I just thought, you know, how, how to survive the apocalypse with your memory. I, I don't know what what exactly was going through my head. I was I was doing something with um, some, some preppers and getting some preppers as affiliates and sort of stuff like that. That didn't work at all. Preppers are not, you know, that you can't convince them that, you know, somehow having a trained memory is going to help them during the apocalypse. I still think that it could, but nonetheless, it just didn't work, <laughs> despite my best intentions for preppers. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so you're saying that a lead magnet that has been working really well for you is um, giving away a free a free course. Um, why would you give away a free course? I mean, you are a business in the end, right? You want to make money, and I know it's not just that, but um, yeah, why would you give away a course for free? Well you give a free course away for the reason that you give free things away, uh, to create trust, to give people a sense of what you're all about. And listen, I don't give away the whole shebang. What I do is I give away a very fundamental skill and that skill can be deepened with full study of the whole package. So they're not being robbed of anything, but they're being introduced to a full program. So it's not that much different than a free course at the gym where, yes, they're going to uh, offer you a subscription to the gym, but you're going to get this opportunity to see the gym. You're going to learn maybe, you know, a couple of rotation exercises for your shoulders or whatever the case is going to be. And that's 100% valuable to you. And then you're going to decide whether you want more or not because there's more than your shoulders there's your legs there's your you know your chest your back all that stuff to be exercised and if you have a trainer or a program that you can go through to get that full body workout then that's what you're going to go for in language learning it'd be the same thing hey here's a free course on uh verben in uh in german or here's a full course on whatever you can imagine in the language learning world, just break it down. And then if you get them great results from that, they're going to say, well, hey, I want uh, your thing on whatever, uh, whatever conjugation, you know, you're, you sell them a course on conjugation or a master class that goes through multiple things involved in that language that you're teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me just summarize this, uh, you know, this part about lead magnets here. So it's really important that your lead magnet is valuable, that you you know, that you're helpful, that you solve a problem, that you educate, that you give your readers, your audience a quick win. And besides that, um, you also want to educate them about your system, right? Make them more familiar 
about your system, what you're all about. Do you think there are any other things that we should do in the lead magnet or any other functions that a good lead magnet has? Well, a lot of people will talk about reciprocity, which I am skeptical that reciprocity is such a strong lever. Reciprocity is the idea that if I give you something, you're now uh, somehow the, the game is rigged in my favor that you'll feel obliged to give me something back. I'm I'm not so certain that that actually works as uh, Cialdini says. I mean, there's a lot of interesting research around that, but I think there's a much deeper tribal reciprocity to be tapped into, and that usually comes from some sort of uh, contest where one tribe is trying to outgive the other. But you have to have a tribe first, right? So I think some of that stuff is quite skewed, and you shouldn't go on the thing or the idea that you're gonna tap into some magical law of the universe that if you just give more value, then people are going to feel obliged to give back. I think what you have to do is you have to actually have offers and those offers have to make clear the value you've already given them and not that they now somehow owe you the favor, but rather that if they want more, there's a path to getting that. It solves all your problems and here's how to do it. And then you have to be in the position of giving even more favors and you have to have the commitment to giving more and more and more and more and more until that they finally give up and say, okay, now I have been convinced that you're the solution to this real problem that you've identified. And so that's called coming up with multiple angles. But yeah, th that's the other sort of topic to talk about there is the idea of reciprocity. I could be wrong. Maybe there's something to it, but I think it's a pretty marginal thing if it does exist. And it's uh, more in the realm of cultural anthropology than in marketing at the end of the day okay well let, let's see how that works so let's say i have a website again that that first example i have a website where i help expats to improve their german so people land on my on my website they you know they see that i understand their problem so they say something like also stuck in your career because of your you know your your lack of German skills or because your German is not good enough. Um, you talk about the problems, you talk about the aspirations, what it is, what is it that they want? And then you say, hey, my name is pa 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 um, and I know everything about learning German because of this, of this, of this. Um, I came up with this system and, you know, click here and download. I don't know, could be a quick guide, right? Or a PDF. Uh, could be a mini course. So they give you their email address. You send them the lead magnet, and 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 then what? What what happens next? Well, you first you get the email address, then you send the lead magnet, and then hopefully your lead magnet has a sequence of emails that ha continues to educate them, continues to talk about the problems, continues to talk about the aspirations that they have or should have, right? So it's not just Hey, are you frustrated that you haven't gotten a job in Germany yet? Is it your language? Are you ashamed that you know you you can't speak it? Yet? You go and you know. Also, are are you ashamed with your pronunciation of German? You know, are you struggling with Quittung or, or whatever, which is one I always struggle with pronouncing properly in German. Um, you know, and you get into this sort of topic of having trouble with pronunciation, and then and then maybe you talk about the regional dialects and how that that can be a bit of an issue unless that you're you know making sure that you're watching or listening to radio from multiple uh 
Bundesländer or whatever, right, in Germany and, and so on and so on. Because that's another issue. And then another email comes and, oh, you've got another problem, another angle uh, that can happen with German. Oh, and by the way, here's the solution. So I would always have problem and then an aspiration and how you have the solution and just keep coming at it again and again and again and again. Always be educating, always be entertaining. But frequency is your number one marketing advantage at the end of the day is just not giving up. And have a whole blog and website and podcasts and videos and stuff like that to keep sending it again and again and again. We don't necessarily have huge marketing budgets, but you think Nike has like one message they send? No, it's on every corner. Nike, 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 Nike. It's frequency. And we can do that too with emails. And we can set it all up in advance so it goes out on autopilot. You write it once. And you just let it go and you, you start to have traffic go through it. You see how it responds. But it's got to be a sequence and an, and an adventurous one, ideally, that's constantly reiterating your core values of what you do and how you do it and why it's the solution to a problem that your audience actually has. Mm -hmm. So how many emails should we send? Should we send emails every day? And uh, when should we pitch our product? Oh, I personally, I'm of the school that you pitch every time. Why hide it? Why disguise it? Why why go in shame of it? There, there are some people who talk about having some sort of sequence where you only make an offer at email five or whatever. And I'll tell you a secret about those people. And they're great. They're great teachers. But they also have massive email lists or they have the ability to use paid traffic to develop massive email lists. Most of us don't have that, however. So waiting until email five to make an offer without the statistical relevance to drive that and the massive swagger and copywriting skills, you're just, you're, you're, you're really, really putting yourself at a disadvantage. So I recommend to people that I help and work with to have an offer every single step of the way and be proud of it and just live in the market. I mean, nobody goes to downtown of any city and expects for any store to say, hey, I'll wait until you come back three times from now before I'm going to let you know that these shoes are 30% off. And yet somehow in email world and online world, so many people have gotten into this idea that somehow they have to wait to make an offer. I completely disagree with this. And it goes against statistical relevance, right? You just need the numbers. You need enough people to see the offer and you need it to be frequent. So Yeah. But if you know how to buy traffic and you can go to the traffic store and get a thousand people to test, if you can get a thousand people through to email five, which means you basically need 10,000 people, you know, then everything I'm saying is, is different for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you're saying that you include offers in every single email. Um, what do you mean by offer? Like, do you mean like a hard sales pitch? You want to do both, right? You want to have Again, there's this concept of the direct offer. A direct offer is exactly what it seems. Here's what I've got. Here's how to get it. Here's why you should have it, right? But then there's indirect offers, such as a link that you would drop in a sentence. So, you know, as I was telling a student of mine who took the Magnetic Mary Method Masterclass, the number one thing to do is blah, 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 blah. And that thing who took the Magnetic Mary Method Masterclass, that would be a link over to a payment page, right? That's a sort of indirect offer. So I would have both of those things. 
And I would have them in a variety of ways. The the thing is, is to be engaging, to be entertaining, you know, but also never assume that people are going to click just because you've hidden a link or cleverly put it in an indirect way. You also have to tell people, hey, here's the link. Click it now. You're going to get X, Y, Z. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I need to be directed. There's I buy things, too. And if people aren't clear to me that, hey, this is where to click, I'm just gone. You know, uh, it's it's just common sense. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the email sequence. So basically the goal um, of, of sending all these emails is to show people that you understand their problems um, and that you have the solution and that you are qualified to to help them. Uh, right. So in all those emails, you talk about those problems. And then in the last email, you say something like, um, or in the end, in the bottom of every email, you say something like, um, by the way, if you're interested in um, in working with me, I have a course and here's how you can enroll. Is that how it works? Absolutely. And you want them to have extreme confidence that that is that solution. And, you know, if you if you're really confident in what you do, you should have no fear about giving away too much stuff for free, right? Uh, just have that confidence to do it and put it out there and just say, hey, the, it gets even better. Here's why. And yep, click here now. Get X for limited time only or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Now, how do we write, how do you design an email sequence? Because before you, I guess you first have to do your research, right? Before you start writing, you need to know what the problems, what, what your audience is struggling with. Um, yeah, can you maybe share with us how you how you do that? Yeah, I, I would I would I would recommend that people get out a big sketch pad, or they get some sort of software where they can visualize things, and then they want to create a funnel. And so, funnel is a fancy word for email sequence. And you want to think, okay, so what's my lead magnet? And then have a little arrow that points to email one. What's the first email I'm going to send them? And then what's email two? What's email three and so on. And then let's say, you know, you're not going to necessarily have this initial honeymoon sequence go on forever, but then you want to decide, or maybe you will. I mean, some people do. Some people have a daily email and all they do is pitch this one thing for eternity. You know, there's, uh, there are people I've been on their list for nine years and it's just the same pitch and they might have a few other products from time to time but it's always for the same thing so you can have a daily email that just goes on for years and years and years but the way i do it is i have a certain sequence that's all been visualized and i show how they get into the into the funnel into the sequence then it has basically seven emails four of them are to the free video And then after that, it has an FAQ that says, hey, here are some frequent questions people have. Then it has a testimonial video that has, or sorry, uh, email that has a number of testimonials, which I update. I I said I haven't updated it since 2014. The one time I update it is that one testimonial email. Because for example, last year, James Gerwing, language learners will love this. The guy was before retirement. He was getting 90% and plus on his Latin exams. And everybody knows who's in the language world, that Latin is got extra difficulties simply because you don't get to speak it all the time, right? If ever. Uh, so that was pretty extraordinary. And then he goes and retires and he wins the 2019 Canadian Memory Championships. So that that is the one thing that I have changed is I went back and made sure that my FAQ, or sorry, my testimonial email has this uh, mention of James Gerwin not only doing that well in Latin, which was always in there, 
but then I needed to update that he won the 2019 as a re retiree, you know, so that's a uh, pretty extraordinary. Anyway, I have that email and then I have, Hey, this is a, this is a last time offer for this particular price, take it or leave it. Then, you know, there's certain tagging structures and then they just go into my, uh, into my long-term sequence of new podcasts, new blog posts, and then new promotions that I do, you know, pretty much on a monthly basis. And that's the that's the roller coaster ride that new people go through, and they all go through it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about urgency, creating urgency. Why is that so important? Because you say that you raise the price at the end of the email sequence. Um, why is that so important? It depends on exactly how you're doing it and what kind of tools you're going to do to enforce it. So there are certain technologies you can buy that will say this offer ends in three days and then they'll actually be redirected. So there's something I use called deadline funnels that helps enforce that. But don't say things that, you know, you're not really uh, enforcing. Otherwise, you, you, you lose credibility. Uh, the other thing to consider is that you can have the offer that you're having there and another offer on your website that is is a higher price so that when people make comparisons they'll they'll reach out and question you like what's the difference here and you say well this is just a special offer that people who are wise and clever enough to subscribe to my email list are given and you'll notice that you won't find it anywhere else except in my email list so i think it's important but the importance of it is you know the integrity of you actually enforcing those sorts of things. And then in terms of scarcity, the biggest scarcity that I press upon is not things like price. I press on things like every day that you don't have these skills, you are potentially putting yourself at risk for dementia and Alzheimer's that you don't need to have. You are potentially losing out on so many of life's treasures. You are not being able to speak even remotely well when you go traveling, etc. Put it on those on time, essentially, the value of time, because that's evergreen and you don't have to sit around and uh, mess around with technology to have your pages redirected here, there and the other place, because it's just eternally true. Every minute that goes by that you're not doing this, you are missing out on joy and we're in the joy business. So, you know, <laughs> hop to it. Let's go. So, yeah, people land on your website. They see what you have to offer. You they give you their email address, you send them a lead magnet, and then over the next few days, you send them more information, more useful educational emails where you talk about the problems and uh, where you show the solutions. And then after, you know, five, six, seven days, you basically do a pitch, right? You say you create scarcity, sorry, urgency in this case, and you say, okay, um, if you want to learn with me, Here's, here's the offer and you need to be soon because or you, need to, you need to be quick because the price goes up. Is that how it works? Yeah, you, you can do all kinds of things. Bonuses can disappear. That's, that's another good one is to take bonuses away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what we do at Language Boost as well. Right, so right, we right. basically say, um, you know, if, you, if you want to join our program, then... You know, if you join today, you're going to get access to all these bonuses. Just sign up and then hit reply to this email and say bonuses, please. And I will manually give you access to the bonuses. So what happens after people buy? Because after, you know, by then you hope that a certain percentage of people on your mailing list or, you know, buy your product. What, what happens after that?
Yeah, yeah. So, well, if people buy, then they go into a nurture campaign, which helps them understand the value of what they just bought. It encourages them to continue going into the training that they bought so that they're actually using it. And it it protects them from being interrupted by whatever crazy offer that I might be doing uh, to the people who haven't bought. And then after a certain time, it just starts sending them the podcast uh, so that they, they have additional value from this world that they've invested in. Yeah, so so it's all about creating a strong relationship with the people on your list. Even if they did, if they didn't buy your product, you still send them useful information. I don't know, you send them to your podcast. Yeah, yeah. The the attitude that I have is they should be served one way or the other, right? And you know, in the internet world, it it can be a bit uh, odd because you know, and people have said to me like, "What is seriously the difference here between what you're doing on your YouTube live streams every week or your podcast or whatever and this course?" And my best answer is look at my testimonials, dive in and see for yourself, because the reality is, is that in my case, I can't even possibly talk about the skills that you really could have in memory, except for behind the paywall, because I don't even know that you're ready for it, you know. Uh, so we, we, we're always just talking about the front end stuff, just reiterating the free stuff that's already free. And you want to keep that in mind for yourself as well, is that your paid stuff should be exclusive to the paid people. And so, you know, you have to think about that in your, in your own business, what that's going to be. But in my case, I have so much free stuff that it can be a little bit of a challenge explaining to people. And I can't tell them what it is because, you know, uh, they really won't connect with it unless they have the core training. So in some sense, that's a scarcity element as well. Um, but yeah, one way or another, people should be served and you should also have the pride in your own teaching or whatever value you're creating that there are concepts that you don't share because you know, your students aren't ready for it. So you don't just go around teaching everything under the sun, but you, you have exclusive things and you create tailored curriculum that really, really helps them get to where you can take them if they become a student of yours. And that's really important. Yeah, I can imagine many people listening now and thinking, okay, but how many people do I need to have on my list in order to make, you know, in order to live off my business? Can you answer that question? Like, is there a minimum? How does it work? I actually can't because it's so variable depending on how the person shows up to build the systems. But what I can tell you from my own experience is I was full time at this with only 700 people and I would, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't even know then to track my numbers, but all I can tell you is that I used to go to the bank machine and I used to think this is magic, right? And I never dreamed of having so much, you know, just ever. And then it was just coming in magically through the internet. And it's not magic, of course, because you have to do stuff in order to make it happen. But yeah, I'll never forget having 700 people, I remember looking at that number and was like, how is this possible? So I think that the real number to think about is responsiveness. How many people are responsive on that list? And what are they doing? What are they telling you? And then how are you responding to them to make their dreams come true, right? And then the metric that I first learned that helped me the most, and I still look at it to this day, came from my mentor. I meet with him a couple times a year, maybe sometimes a little bit more frequently, depending on what's going on. His name's John Morrow. 
And he told me the number one metric is dollar per subscriber per month. And I've always focused on that. So, you know, you can think, am I getting $5 uh, per subscriber? Am I getting 50 cents or whatever? And go from there. Now, if you get more sophisticated, you can start going into, well, okay, I've got 8% conversion. And if I only get that to 8.5, how that's going to, you know, make a boost in this, that, and the other thing. But in the beginning, I think dollar per subscriber per month is a great one. And I still focus on it, even though, you know, I, I, I sometimes just have to hire people because I'm not a numbers guy, but uh, they figure out all that sort of stuff. And, and really, I just try to figure out my conversion of people coming onto my email list and then the, the, the sort of monthly conversion. But the, really, the, the thing that I would impress upon people is that when you have your when you have your stuff together, there's really no ceiling on it. Right. And you can get into the weeds of all kinds of numbers, but nothing's ever going to change the fact that the value you're creating and how you're convincing people and then the, 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 the transformations you're creating for people, that's what's going to really drive all of this uh, on top of everything else. And then dollar per subscriber per month is just a great thing to focus on. Would you say that your mailing list is your most valuable company asset? It is the asset. It is the business. And you have to think that way because if Amazon disappears, you know, you don't have any of those email addresses Amazon does, right? Amazon will be able to reach those people, but you won't. And a lot of people don't grow their email address list. They start to focus on Udemy or they focus on Amazon or whatever, and they can't contact any of those customers. So if your own website disappears for some reason, can you contact the people? Do you, can you mail them in case email disappears? So yeah, it's the list. But then the question is, what kind of list is it? Do you have phone numbers? Do you have mailing addresses, etc.? So it's not just email. Again, it's it, your business is your list. But then you got to ask yourself, what is your list? Because a lot of people they're taught, oh, don't ask for phone numbers because that will reduce your sales. Don't ask for mailing addresses because that will reduce your sales. Quite frankly, in the short term, fine. But in the long term, you don't really have a real business if you don't if you can't call your customers. Yeah. So so in the end, your business. Yeah, you know, is is your relationship with the people on your well, with your people, the people who follow you, and I guess uh, an email list is a way to somehow capture that relationship in well, in a list that you own, right? Yeah, and you know, people will ask you too. I I just had a call uh, or an email the other day from a guy. He said, "Can I ask you why you need my mailing address and my phone number?" Right. And I made him a personal video and I said, here's why. The reason is, is that, first of all, it's quite good legally to be able to do that and for, you know, credit card things. Second of all, if you have any problem, I want to be able to reach you because people put in their wrong email address. It, it ever. I want to be able to call you, leave a number, message on your phone, talk to you personally. And I told him. And I tell this to people. I, I just don't even want really customers who don't trust me enough to give me that information because I want to be in a relationship with you for life, whether you buy more stuff or not. And then, you know, however many minutes later, the guy just bought the stuff and, and away we go. And he emailed back and he said, thank you very much. Um, I, and I think that's really something that is lost a little bit in online thinking. But this is, I always have it that these are my people for life and I want to be able to reach them. So it's really a tool to build relationships. Yeah. And that's coming back to where we started. Copywriting is really about relationship building. Mm. 
So in the emails you 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 know you, you make offers. Where do you send people to? Do you send them to a sales page or just directly to a checkout page? Uh, it depends. I, I tend not to use sales pages that much. And the reason why is because my email is usually a sales page, right? Like email is just a page in the internet. It just happens to be a page that's appearing in an email account. And so why should I then send them to a sales page? Although I will use sales pages for different purposes. So, you know, if you get really into the weeds of copywriting, which you should, right? You're going to have questions that you want to answer. So let's say you're testing a new product and you want a lot of people to see the sales copy, right? So then what you do is you think, okay, what's the most likely way for them to see this sales copy? Then a sales page is great. And you write this long sales page and then you use very, very short email because that's going to help make sure that your link is above the fold. Everybody's going to see that there's a link there, et cetera. And you could just sort of say, Hey, here's a big reason why you should check this out. Pain, 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 aspiration, aspiration, promise, promise, promise. You click here now, boom. And then you get all this traffic onto this page. And then you can tell whether that page is converting very, very quickly. However, if you know that something already converts, you've been using it for years, why do, go through all this long sales page stuff when you can just have a payment page and you say in your email, your email is a little bit longer and you explain everything in there. You have all the great stuff that copywriting has. And then you say, click on over here and... Uh, the idea is, is that the length uh, and what you're doing is relative to the kind of offer that you're testing and what it is you're doing. So an email, you can really have a sales letter in an email and then just send them directly to the payment page. That's my preference. And it's always sort of worked best. But there are different times. It depends also, you know, on the product, how much education they need about the product. So if I'm selling a physical product, then I'm going to, for short emails that go to a long sales page. If it's a digital thing that's already been tested, then I'll usually do long emails directly to a payment page. And you know, I think, is this a direct offer? And the direct offer is, hey, I've got something for sale. Here's where to buy it, right? But if I'm doing something that's more of an indirect indoctrination where it's a heavy, it's a bigger price, then I'm gonna spend more time. It's gonna be longer emails. And then there might be a couple of times in that promotional sequence where they do see a sales page, but other times they're going to go straight to a registration page or a payment page, order form. Other times I'll also send them to testimonial pages. I might send them all over the internet and have multiple links to multiple destinations inside of emails. It's all relative to a couple of things. So you think about your market, you think about the offer that you're making, you think about the conditions of the sale and how much space needs to be devoted to clarity around what needs to happen, what's required from them. And then you go from there. You, you sort of, you, you want to think about what it is that you're doing. And the other thing that I would suggest is you think that these are people you want to know for at least 20 years. So whatever things you're putting in their email box, think about the 20 year consequences and that can help you decide these things. So that may be a bit more nuanced than you were looking for, but at the end of the day, it depends on what it is that you're doing. And you can you can do a lot of fun things and experiments, but those are some of the things I think about. Mm -hmm. So we talked about email marketing. Um, you know, we talked about what to write in those emails, but how you know how can we technically technically send all these emails? We don't do that manually, right? Um, yeah, 
tell us like what software do you use uh, what kind of software should we be looking for yeah um there's softwares and autoresponder softwares etc i've used quite a few in my day and uh i would recommend that people do their due diligence on the market and see what they want and think about their business think about their customers think about their long-term success what they want to do and how they want to do it so aweber i've used mailchimp i've used mostly i have spent the biggest amount of time with active campaign and active campaign is pretty robust but i like it because it's it's not as robust as infusionsoft but it lets you get into granular control of tagging your different customers and making sure that you can filter things out so that certain people that have certain tags are seeing or not seeing different things relative to their level of engagement and investment in your business. And what those things let you do is set up sequences that follow conditional rules and you can really get into the weeds of all that stuff. My number one suggestion for people who are serious about starting this is if that fries your brain, just hire somebody to do it. But make sure that you have a vision for your business. You have an understanding of the offer that you have. You have an understanding of your market and then get some good help that can spend some time with you to figure out a sequence, an initial sequence, and then have a plan for other offers because you're going to get, you know, good business from your initial funnel, but you also want to be doing offers along the way. And, um, you want to be able to continue educating the people that don't buy and also the people who do buy in particular ways. So number one thing that you can do is invest in help. I invested in help. And so I'm not you know, saying that without experience, I would never have figured this out on my own. I, as soon as I had the money to do it, I got help. And I actually reached out to somebody who created a little app for Aweber called Aweber Pro Tools. And I just said, I really want to use Aweber Pro Tools, but I can't figure it out. Can you recommend somebody? And then I worked with that guy for about two years on on my business. So, yeah, it can be it can be hard to wrap your mind around, and it's worth every penny to get it figured out with somebody. Mm. Now, for people who want to get started with this, who want to learn more about email marketing, do you have any resources, any places people can go uh, where they can learn more about how to do email marketing properly? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, if you're not tired of listening to me, I have a <laughs> I have a free course actually at brandingu.academy. And brandingu.academy actually shows you everything that we've talked about today because it will take you through these uh, email sequences that I'm talking about and make you an offer uh, that you shouldn't refuse, but you, you could refuse if you like <laughs> to get more training of this kind to help you build your business. And that's one thing I would recommend. And then, you know, just decide what kind of business that you want to have. Find a person who has a business like that and ask them if they're doing any kind of mentoring or coaching or what they would recommend. Because one of the problems is, is people get all in the weeds of direct response marketing and then they wind up in so-and-so's funnel and then they buy a bunch of courses, etc. You could probably accelerate your progress by saying, I want to have a business like this person, getting mentoring from them and then taking you know, one to two courses that they recommend, reading the books that they recommend, and then focusing for 90 days on each recommendation and doing the exercises, et cetera. So rather than me sending out a, a whole bunch of stuff and names that send you on a wild goose chase, I'd say just find the person you would like to have a business like and see if you can get recommendations from them directly. 
and pay them because it's worth it. Yeah, so you're basically saying that you can go to Google or you can buy courses and learn more, you know, about copywriting. But in the end, best is to just work with someone one-on-one, you know, who can give you direct feedback and, and learn that way. Yeah, I mean, I was a writer before I got into this, you know. So I have like a natural inclination for that. But if you don't, then you can spend five years learning copywriting or you can get a mentor who will help you learn copywriting. Or you can just hire somebody to do the copywriting. But you have to understand that it's a necessary component to this and make it happen because you're worth it at the end of the day. And you you know, you're, you can really avoid a lot of mistakes by just having an investment mentality and not trying to do it all on your own. Um, the only thing is, is, you know, find that mentor because they can help you make a lot of mistakes. Or sorry, they can help you make a lot of mistakes. They can help you avoid a lot of mistakes. They could probably help you make mistakes too. But, you know, they can help you avoid them by putting your nose to the grindstone and just saying, look, this is the ethic that I needed and this is the study part and this is the implementation part. And I've never regretted any investment in mentors that I ever made, even when they told me stuff I don't already know uh, or told me stuff that I do already know. And then I've... uh, you know, just thought, oh my God, I can't pay for, I can't believe I paid for this stuff I already knew, but then I'm grateful for it because they remind me and then I go and do it because if they're telling it to me, then I might as well do it, you know? Uh, So, um, once you pay, you pay attention, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the way it seems to work. Last question, just before we wrap up this interview, what are some of the, what are some of the lessons that you have learned, uh, about email marketing over the last, you know, the last eight years? If I were to boil it down into just a simple thing, you've got to have frequency. You've got to be relevant to your audience. You've got to be super entertaining and you have to educate and you have to do it openly with love for letting go of the outcome and just being receptive to what happens and then pivoting based on data, basically, and that you have to create the data. So... Now, that, those are the rules and they will set you free to enjoy a great business. Thank you, Anthony. If people want to learn more about you and what you do, where can they go? Well, if you like the memory stuff and you want to see more about how it applies to language, then head on over to magneticmerrymethod.com. And then, yeah, if you want to hear more of this sort of business-oriented stuff that I've packaged together, that's at brandingyou.academy. And I'd love to hear from you. It's a, it's a lot of fun talking about these things and it's a great skill to develop and you know it's it's easier than it, it all seems but if you if you just invest in getting clarity then it it's so much faster and you avoid a lot of a lot of issues and there are a lot here's the thing about copywriting there are a lot of sharks out there and they're very good at copywriting so you know keep safe <laughs> that's what I, that's what i would say and we at brandingyou.academy we try to do to do exactly that is help people educate people but also help keep them safe Anthony, thank you for this interview. Thank you. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.